Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, Stomping Jen. Yes, Sawtooth Ring. We are here again for a very special episode. This is after school worthy. After school worthy? Yes, it's a very special episode. We. It's like an after school special? Sort of. We're going to be talking about the UMass Amherst Poetry Society, which, if you listen to this podcast, you will know that is where you and I met. It's true. We're going to talk to some of the people who were there. At the beginning. Who have witnessed the meeting of Sawtooth and Jen. Oh my God. But what's really interesting is we're also going to talk to some folks who came after us and continued on the UMass Amherst Poetry Society. Very cool. Right. And we're going to understand what they did and then what they went on to do potentially in other areas. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So this is exciting stuff. But it's very... um, what? It's very. What is the word? Really, it's about the beginning of Sawtooth and Jen in some ways. <laughs> this is our origin story in a weird way. It's like a Marvel. Yeah. Movie. Are you ready to do this? Uh huh. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Will you hold my hand when these, I play the intro music? These people don't bite. I know one of them bites. <laughs> We're going to get to that. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. <laughs> Stomping Jen, why are you laughing? Cause I'm singing again. We're going to talk about poetry and how we met Stomping Jen. Let's get to it. I gotta tell you. What are you gonna tell me? I went in our garage and like the bowels of our garage yeah. and I found, I literally struck gold. I found yeah. a whole pile of shit from back in the day. Yeah. I see that pile sitting in front of you. I know. And you didn't even want to look at it. Yeah. So <laughs> that pile of shit, a lot of that is from our time that we spent in the UMass Amherst Poetry Society, mm-hmm. right? It's true. Which you started I, yeah. with one of our guests here. Yeah. Right? So let's go around and let's say hello to some of the people who are here with us. And I'm going to start with that person who you started the UMass Amherst Poetry Society with. What year would that be? Oh, God. Was it freshman year? It was freshman year. So it was like 95, 96. 1995. Let's do the math. How many years ago was that? Uh, 26. 26 years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Well, let's say hello to Tim O. Tim O. Hi, Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Oh my Once God. again, we meet. It's like we never left. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us. 
I'm really, yeah, it's I'm, my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you about the mm-hmm. beginnings of the UMass Amherst Poetry Society. We need a, we need a, sh- a shorthand for that. What UMass Amherst? Yeah, we're just going to say the Poetry just Society. Poetry Society. Okay, I can't mm-hmm. say all of that. My mouth is already getting dry. Oh gosh. U- yeah. UMAPS. 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 <laughs> I like UMAPS. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not going to do UMAPS. No. no. We're going to do the Poetry Society. I so, agree. Yeah. All right, 1996, 26 years ago. Yeah. Something like that, right? Nine, yeah. That's a long time. That's a ago. long time ago. But that, that also means that's almost as long as we've been together. That's true. Which is also frightening in its own way. Um, so you yeah. two are the original founders, I will say. And well, we're gonna get we're yeah. gonna get to that in a minute. Right. But there's some other folks here, yeah, right? Yeah, let's talk to the other folks. There are some folks here who were participants in who would come to the meetings mm-hmm. and read poetry and listen to poetry, and some mm-hmm. of those folks are here. Um, I am one of them, mm-hmm. right? It, right, we, you showed up. We've said this up. before. I showed up. I walked into a meeting and I read a poem. You showed up fall of 96. Yeah, and I have here in my hand that very poem I read, the one that captivated you. <laughs> I don't know if it was your poem that the one, captivated me. The one that made you become obsessed with me. Oh, sure. There are poems in that pile in front of you that are all about me and your unrequited love for me. And we're going to get to all of that later. Now, um, another person who would come to these meetings, right, whom I met there mm-hmm. at the Poetry Society, is the one, the only, Joshua Michael Stewart, the official unofficial poet laureate of the Soft Serve podcast. Hello, Josh. Hello, everyone. How is everyone? We're doing great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're talking to you people. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And I have to say, um, Josh turned out to be a real poet. <laughs> now, He's a poet poet. If I'm thinking back to the first time I saw him there, yeah. and the first time I heard him read, I'm not sure I would have been on that horse, but he proved us all wrong. That's true. He stuck with it. And he's absolutely killed it. He's published everywhere. That's true. He's come on here and he's talked about it. And you can find these episodes he's been on. Mm-hmm. There are right? many. Yeah. Many, many. And he's talked extensively about it. But I'm proud in a lot of ways to have known him all of these years and to, mm-hmm. s- to have seen him grow in this way. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's um, very cool. To think back to when we were all undergrads yeah. at this poetry society um, at UMass Amherst. Yeah. So, um. Now, another um, person, This I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know if he's going to be able to answer. He's eating sushi right now, um, he told us. He called in, um, yep. and he was going to feed sushi to these children he has. Um, this is <laughs> this is Ted. Are you there, Ted? I'm, I'm here. I, I heard you with a nice intro there, and I jumped up from the table. Oh. I muted myself and went to a private room. So, Well, welcome, Ted. Thanks for being here. We're going to definitely talk with you more. Um, yeah. And um, I, I, remember, I remember hanging out with you and listening to poetry with you and yeah. hearing your poetry and all sorts of things. So, yeah. It's exciting oh, to... I feel, <laughs> I mean, thank you. I feel like I'm trying to forget any poetry I wrote when I was an undergrad. Oh, come on. That's what it's there for. Posterity. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's good it's good to have you here. Thanks thanks for setting aside time to do this. Yeah, so, we appreciate it. Yeah. Now, um, another guest we have here joining us on our Poetry Society 
panel is George Myers. Now, this is the first time I'm meeting George, so I don't know if our paths crossed Mm -hmm. when we were in the Poetry Society or not. Um, Stomping Jen, do you you remember? So Josh swears that there were some open mics that um, George and his uh, fellow human who came after hmm. us were were at okay i don't know that i quite remember i think you and i when we were done with uh, umass we kind of left yeah <laughs> i don't well, really remember leaving let's let's yeah. give let's give george a chance to say hello to us and tell yeah. us what he remembers all right sure hi george there's a cat oh. walking across George's yeah. screen that may be interfering with his inability to unmute. All right, here we go. Hi, George. Hi, everybody. How are you? Thanks for having me. Sure. Now, do and, you... Uh, yeah, I, we... Go ahead. Please. I was going to ask, do you remember anybody here um, in this meeting from your time in the Poetry Society? Definitely Joshua. I mean, we crossed paths quite a bit, saw him read and, and continued to cross paths and... Um, I do recall, you know, the early days that we went to the meetings where basically just Ben and I being interested in, in, in poetry, um, went to those meetings and didn't know anybody and heard people read. And we went, we went to quite a few of them. So I'm guessing we were in the same room, but it, it, it wasn't, um, the same connection. I think you and Jen made. Mm. Yeah. Well, we left, you finished in 98. Yes. In May of 98. That's right. And I was done by December of 98, yeah. so I don't know what years. No, I rem- I remember a Wait. summer. Wait, hold on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, George. Ben and I came in fall of 98. Yeah, so like we, like, yeah, Sawtooth was out and I was like yeah. basically out because I, I, I finished early and doubled up on classes, so I don't know how involved I was at that yeah. point. Hmm. Yeah. So... If I, I hope, if I can just jump in real quick, yeah. I remember the the first meeting that George and Ben, um, and there was a third person who came with you guys, who I can't remember what his name was, um, but you guys came to our first meeting of that fall semester, and you guys talked about this painter. Um, minimalist painter and like you you had this painting and all it was was like this one line like the just this one like blue line and you guys went on this whole rampage about this avant-garde artist and we were always trying to figure out like well first of all it was like you know does the pay does is the painting supposed to look like you know vertical or is it supposed to be horizontal you know with the one line and then it turns out that this whole painter was was like just some bullshit you guys made up so that that was the first meeting and i i know i was there and i know chanel was there and jen you must have been there but i know brad yeah would have been gone by then yeah we're two minutes into this and i'm already embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> don't be embarrassed <laughs> yeah so that was that was actually probably our friend tom yeah it was tom who was not uh, you know particularly artistically oriented um in that way but he he used to actually like really make fun of us for being interested in sort of avant-garde works and that was i'm not blaming him for that but that was like him kind of making fun of us and us challenging him on that and then like taking that stupid feud into a public space to try to like sell it yeah 
really wow i'm really embarrassed that we did that oh no <laughs> and, and, and and we can count on josh to remember it all of these years later but it and, left and an bring impression. it back up it left an impression yeah. on josh so yeah yep. um timo did you want timo did you want to jump in here I did. Like now that Josh mentioned that, I I think I was there as well. And because I, my my vague recollection was initially being really annoyed because as like the founding president, I was just like, I should be in charge of this meeting, and these guys are hijacking it. And I was, I, I think, I think I, I, it just grew in more and more intrigued. I was like, are these guys for real? What what what's their what is it? And uh, yeah, I just. I, I just have that a vague recollection of that. But. Yeah. Well, um, George, thanks for thanks for um, thanks for coming here, and thanks for not leaving immediately yeah. after that embarrassing revelation about um, about your avant-garde painting. Um, but we have another guest joining us, um, and it is he was referenced earlier. He was. Um, it is Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey, how are you? Were you just telling the story of that painting? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Do you remember the name that you came up with? I think it was, I'm, trying, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Bayron Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Well, that is, that is, um, <laughs> that is creativity and youth in its prime. I'm going to give it one of these. That sounds awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, I wish I could recall this. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Ben, we were just kind of going around and talking about um, who we all were, and um, Ben was one of the, um, the the folks who helped take over yes. the Poetry Society after um, what I'm going to call the original founders kind of moved on mm-hmm. and went went on to do other things. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit now about the original founding of the Poetry Society. So, um, mm-hmm. George, Ben, just just hang out. We got a bunch of questions for you coming up. So, um, uh, but jump in if you have something you wanna you wanna offer too. Jen and Tim O, how did you come to start this Poetry Society? I really That's would a like good to question. know. Let me see. I, if I remember clearly. Okay. All right. Tim, Tim O, seems go to ahead. Remember. <laughs> All right. Well. I was interested in poetry in high school and I had written a few haiku that got published somewhere from some, I don't know what it was. It's some college associated paperback of some sort. And uh, I was very interested in writing poetry at that time. And when I went to my orientation, uh, the actual it wasn't orientation. It was, you know, it went scouting for UMass and they gave you a tour out there. I, I was like, oh, they have lots of student organizations. Do they have a poetry society? And someone was like, oh, yes, yes, they do. And I was like, great, I'm going to join it when I get there. And when I got there, there wasn't one. And I was like, very disappointed. And then I was like, somebody said, you could just start your own. And I was just like, you know, I could. And maybe I should. And so I just started hanging flyers and I got a meeting together. And mm-hmm. That was it. And I know Jen was there at the first meeting and one of my friends from UMass was there at the first meeting and I was trying to be very democratic about it. I was like, I don't need to be the president. I don't need, we need to decide who's going to do what and who's, and then who, who wants to be a leader. And then my friend was just like, I think Tim should be the president. I was just like, well, if you say so, of course, yes, that is fine with me. Um, And then uh, it just went off from there. That's true. That sounds about right. So we had to like register it as like a registered student organization. Yeah. 
Um, and my the roommate, RSO. yeah, my my roommate Christine and I met with uh, with Tim, and we we started it. I don't know. We started it. We posted it. We figured out how to navigate the UMass system and how to become a registered student organization and how to get funding. And I don't think we ever actually had office space, but like we had regular meetings. And so did you two do this organizational work together before you actually held a first official meeting of the Poetry Society? I don't know. I like, I remember meeting you. I remember like there being a blackboard <laughs> I don't know, in, like a, in like a room. Yeah. I don't know. There was a bunch of people that showed up. I don't think there was very many at the beginning. And then we just started like advertising it. Yeah. Tim, were you able to discover, had there been a poetry society before you that went defunct or tell yes. me about that? Okay. So when I went to um, figure this all out, um, I went to the student organization body, whatever it was called. And I, uh, they, I said, I thought there was a poetry set. I said, oh, well, no, but here's their charter. Here's their charter. You can have it. And I was just like, oh, well, then I can just use this to revive the poetry society. But when I read it, it was pretty rinky dinky in my opinion. So I was like, we're going to have to rewrite this, which, um, which we did. We rewrote it and we, we just added a few things here and there and nothing serious. Yeah. And I was doing some research earlier this week yeah. and I went on the UMass website mm-hmm. to see if they are currently formed in some way still. And they yeah. are. And they still have that charter. Oh. Yeah. It was last it updated. Up. Yeah. It was last updated in 2016. Hmm. That's cool. Which is still 20 years after you um, updated it. I know, right? <laughs> back all those years ago, Timo. <laughs> way back when i know yeah so when you held the first meeting okay yeah. you did all of this work yeah. you uh, revitalized the yeah. the poetry society student organization that was ted um there's some sort of sushi meltdown happening over there wherever he is um when you got the when you got all the organizational stuff together and yeah. you held your first meeting do you remember the first meeting when people no. started showing up no i remember like like people yeah uh here and there i remember we used to meet a lot in central because christine and i lived in central so there was a lot of meetings that happened in central there might have been a meeting or two that happened in butterfield when it used to be like butterfield yeah for people who remember that mm-hmm. yeah I guess when when you started yeah, there was that guy what was his name magical Mike or me <laughs> Sharky? No. <laughs> Sharky. No, there was some guy. He reminded me of like Willy Wonka. Mm. <laughs> We've been in his room once. I remember that. But when, uh, so when I started going to these meetings, yeah. they were in the campus center yeah, in the got, basement. <laughs> we took it out of the dorms and made yep. it a little bit more serious, I think. Yeah. Why did you do that? Why did, uh, why did you take it out of the dorms? Lucy goosey, maybe. What does that mean? I don't know. What do people do T- in the dorms? Timo, do you remember meeting in the dorms and then deciding you needed to take this to a to a better space? Is that something you remember? I remember meeting in the dorms, but yeah. I don't remember like how we came to the decision to 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 meet in a different space. Basically, you had to you had to reserve it, and that required you know an additional administrative step. Yeah. So it took us a while to get to that stage. I think for the, at least the first semester, we were we were in You're in, in the Jen's. Dorms. <laughs> yeah, we're in Jen's room or yeah. whoever whoever was available. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, we had quite a few meetings in Jen room, Jen's room. <laughs> so so did I. Um, <laughs> Not in that, that year. <laughs> for the record. Um, Not I had then. many meetings in Jen's oh room. Oh my God. All right. Um, Moving along. Yeah, so... Yeah, and Tim, as you, as you were recollecting, there were some characters that uh, were part of that group. Yeah, now somebody wrote in the uh, in the chat. Um, Josh uh, Joshua Michael Stewart wrote, um, "Who was the vampire kid?" And there there was a there was a oh, guy. You're right, there was a guy, and I know his name. His name was Matt. And there were lots of eccentric people there who were. who came to the poetry society. Yeah, and one of the things I want to ask Josh, um, and and I have an answer for myself, is how you discovered it. The, the poetry society as somebody who wasn't involved in the founding like how did you discover it and how did you, how did you begin to get involved with the poetry society uh, I discovered it by the um, I want to call it the advocate but it wasn't whatever the, the collegian the, the collegian newspaper and you guys yeah. put an ad in that oh and, look at us advertising and I um I just saw it in there. It was either that or on a flyer. And then mm-hmm. I just came to the meetings and, you know, like you were saying earlier about how you, <laughs> you didn't think I would be a poet, you know, from the first time you heard me read until now. Um, I mean, I went into the, I wanted to get in, in into poetry, but I knew absolutely nothing about poetry, you know, other than whatever, you know, Robert Frost, poem that they forced us to read, you know, in high school or whatever. Um, you know, I was a music kid. I was a jazz kid. Um, in fact, the way I got into any type of poetry was through jazz. Um, I was, you know, into jazz, playing jazz, listening to jazz. And my best friend uh, went to UMass Lowell. And as you know, you, you can't go to Lowell without knowing Jack Kerouac. And then, of course, through that, you meet Alan, you, 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 you're introduced to Allen Ginsberg and all the beat poets who are heavily influenced by jazz. Um, the, the first real poet I ever read was Langston Hughes. And again, the only reason why I chose him was um, uh, because of, you know, his blues poems and his jazz poems. And uh, the first like contemporary poet I read was Charles Simic. And again, the only reason why I read Charles Simic was because his his uh, book, which came out in 96, Walking the Black Cat, the cover of the book looks like a jazz album. And that's the only reason why I picked it up. And then, of course, you know, there's all the surrealist crap going on and that was my that that was like the epiphany that was like the like this is poetry like poetry can be this yeah and of course and then you got charles simic you got james tate and of course james tate teaches at umass and every poet in the world goes to umass thinking they're going to take a class with james tate and then of course then you're you're connected with russell edson um and so on and so forth. But yeah, the, the, um, I wanted to, um, I, I was completely green about poetry and I was like, you know, um, I didn't want to change majors and become an English major or anything. So I was like, this was be the next best thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, and I've, I've said this before and it bears repeating. I think 
I was incredibly lonely and looking for friends. <laughs> I I had moved into this house where I didn't really know anybody. Oh, I didn't live on campus. And I spent two years without friends going to this major university. And I think that fall semester, I just took stock of myself. I was like, oh, I've got I've to go do something. I've got to get involved with something. And I liked writing, right? I could write poems. I, you know, I, like most moody, self-obsessed, narcissistic teenagers, I would scribble poems in my notebook, my spiral-bound notebook, which I still have. It's like, I'm going to go give this poetry society a shot. I think I saw that flyer yeah. somewhere. And Those flyers were super yeah. effective. Better than social media. It's so walking through the campus center. I saw the flyer. I took it home. I put it on my desk. I stared at it for a while. <laughs> right? And I said, well, <laughs> this is your moment, Sawtooth. This is your moment to do something, to change the course of your life. Had it- so I wrote a poem... <laughs> Which I will read here later. Oh my god. I wrote this poem. I'm going to read it on this episode. Yeah. I walked into that room, and there I did not notice you stomping. That's true. For very many months. Yes, but I noticed Tim O. (laughs) He's not the tallest person, but he's very muscular. Oh my gosh. He has jet black hair. Where is this going? I'm just... We're sharing my recollections, and he was leading the group. Ah. I said, who is this fella? I sat down. I listened to people read poems. And you were like, these are my peeps. Well, then I then I stood up. And I said, I have got a poem to read. Oh, my God. All right. And I will read this poem later. And yes. that's how I got involved. Excellent. Right? Yes. Now, let's ask Ted. Yes. Um, we haven't heard much from Ted. Now, I see he's done eating this sushi that he was <laughs> eating before. Um He's leaning against a wall of some kind. Um, now, let's ask Ted how he got involved with the um, the Poetry Society. Uh, <clears throat> I'll have to uh, dredge my memory for this. So, I believe I uh, came, um, I think probably like many of us, as an angsty uh, freshman um, who had written poetry in high school. Uh, I believe there was a poem that I had published in my high school newspaper called The Cynic, which was terribly embarrassing, but very apt for like a 14-year-old to write, I think. And I think I was just walking through the long concourse of the student union, kind of my freshman year. And I, I mean, I feel like I must have, I don't remember who was at the table. I feel like I must have been like Tim and Stomping Jen who were there. Though. Oh, right. We had Could tables. Could else? We had tables. <clears throat> I forgot about the tables. Like the first week, you know, you go through and they're all the clubs. See, there's like the poster sale and all the clubs the first week that you could sign up for. And I think this was the one that sort of struck my fancy. Huh. And hmm. I was like, I know what poetry is. You, you, I've written poetry. I should uh, go to this meeting. You like letters. Also, we were selling brownies and they were delicious. I didn't make them. Oh, you were so. Where did brownies? we get brownies from? Hmm. We were we were using doing it to raise raise money. I think. Yeah, oh, hmm. like a bake sale. Yep. Now I wait, wanna... wait, wait. Ted was like a. You liked Leonard Cohen a lot, right? Am I, I recollect... did like Leonard Cohen. No, like... you're totally right. No, I remember that about you. <laughs> I 
I I did like Leonard Cohen because some girl I did in high school had introduced him to me. Uh-huh. And so I was very into Leonard Cohen. Okay. And for our listeners who, who there may be people who don't know who that is, Leonard Cohen was a musician and poet and writer. He was a Canadian musician, poet, sorry writer. I for you if you don't know who Leonard Cohen is. There may be some folks but who don't know. Look him up. Some of the younger, younger kids yeah. may not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say he, um, he, he, after Trump got elected, he died. He couldn't handle it. Mm. He was like, I'm checking out. Fuck this. I have to say, I saw Leonard Cohen two years oh, before he died. You, you did. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was an amazing show. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, now, I want to ask um, George and Ben, who did go on to to take over the leadership of the, the Poetry Society. How did, you, how did you come to get involved in the Poetry Club? Was it, was it a similar way? Was it walking through a concourse? Was it seeing a flyer? I'm interested in hearing this. So we'll let you go uh, first, Ben. I mean, it, it, I don't have a clear cut day in my mind when that happened, but there was, you know, it's probably a similar kind of thing. Like I think George and I both had like a pretty big interest in poetry and we were already living that sort of semi beat kind of mind, mind uh, you know, reading all those folks and, getting kind of hooked into some odd kinds of music and performance. And I think we were just intrigued by, um, I don't know, the idea of a poetry society. I don't even remember where we discovered it or how it was probably the same kinds of things like the collegiate or the, or the, the tabling. And uh, suddenly it was like, let's go to this event, this, these, these meetings. I think it was like a Tuesday night or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, George. You have a good memory, right? You remember? <laughs> I, I think um, it was. I think you're you're pretty much right. Yeah, that we 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 went to those meetings, and we, as you, Joshua, so kindly recollected. You know, I think we had this sort of thing where we it was. I don't want to say it was confrontational, but we were just sort of really throwing our energy out into the world and seeing if other people kind of vibed with us. And uh, being really interested in poetry, but go into those meetings. And I have a big memory of going. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Sawtooth and Jen, I think you you left. And I think there was maybe a vacuum Mm. that was created by that. And I vaguely remember Ben and I going somewhat regularly to those meetings. And and I think I, I vaguely remember someone being like, do you want to become the president? And Ben and I were like, uh, and so we became co-presidents because I think we were both kind of like nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it was really like the group grouping of people that had been going to those meetings, um, recognized that someone needed to do it. And, uh, I think <laughs> Ben and I just probably seemed unhinged enough to be willing to, to take it on. <laughs> well, what was that? What was thinking back? What was that like for you having to step into a, a leadership role like that? Because my recollection is these meetings were like very well attended. There were lots of people there. Um, it seems like that was probably a pretty early opportunity in your lives to, to experience leadership and, and, and do something like that. Uh, we were pretty active, I think, Pe- you know, like we, we were in bands and, and that sort of things. Like, so we were putting on events. So I don't think there was, oh. 
that concept was in too intimidating. And I, I honestly think we, we probably didn't have the, um, the depth of self-reflection to be too nervous about it. You know, I think it was really like, we just were like on high speed and looking forward. I don't know, Ben, if you haven't. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was a combination of, um, an interest in poetry and performance and, you know, confrontational art making with a perspective vision of being a teacher someday. And I think there was at least some part of me looking back, this is how it looks then. I don't know if I had that mindset, but there was a part of me that was like, Oh, this is like the way you might organize people to talk about literature or talk about poetry. And I always enjoyed, like, I think we would sometimes bring a poem and like talk about it, you know, like a, you know, a published poem. And I think for me, that was like almost the first place where I wanted to test my chops in a way for what it's like to be in front of people with a literary agenda kind yeah. of thing. And, and, you know, it definitely took me to where I am now. So mm. in some ways, you know, yeah, Josh. So, yeah. So I just want to um, uh, jump in and, you know, after you two left, it was, um, you know, Chanel and I, were um and and then and then i think tim also left soon after you guys um and chanel and i were kind of like the last of the of the original guard and and we were leaving you know fairly soon because i left in what may of 99 mm -hmm. and that's why we went to george and ben and was like you know someone needs to take this over and, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, it, it, they, they, they say it's like they were confrontational, but, you know, confrontational art and that. But we, we dug it. We loved it. We, we <laughs> thought they were great. Um, you know, we would have these open mics and everyone would, you know, have their poem and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And all that, you know, <laughs> and then these two would go on stage and they would have guitars and then they would drape sheets over themselves and then they would play this song while under the sheet and, you know, this bed sheet. And so they would just do all these really wacky, strange performance art stuff, even though, you know, mostly we, we, we were thinking it's just like a, a poetry open mic, but they would they would just bring it to a whole new level mm -hmm. and where others may be like, well, you know, this is supposed to be poetry or whatever, but we just loved it. We thought it was great. And of course um, there was the time where they, I, I, I caught, I, I wasn't there for this um, open mic, but there was a, a infamous open mic down in that art room mm -hmm. in the, in the art studio. Gallery, yeah. Uh, I think they poured paint on themselves. Yeah, I painted George um, uh, while he played a Hank Williams. This is a very like ridiculous concept that we were trying to put together. Um, it was uh, George went up and played like a, a Hank Williams song. And I think we had like a video camera set up so that it was like pointed toward to, to you George and and it was like broadcasting to the audience some some weird twist there and then halfway through his song 
I started screaming at him from the audience um, and being all pissed off and upsetting the audience. And then I, I ran up there with a can of paint and just started like, I think with my hands, I, as I recall, just painting him. <laughs> uh, it, it made a horrible, horrible mess. And the, the, the event had to be paused. Um, the, the woman who, who ran the Paula. space, Paula was not pleased to say the least man i mean she went into a state of anger that i took oh, no. it took a long time for us to make up like i i worked on that for a while she was not happy um and i remember you know i felt i actually felt pretty good i felt pretty good about what we had done i mean at the time and, and um somebody afterwards this this grad student steve name was came up to me or georgia you think you were there too but he said like yep performance art it's always got to have its revolutions or it's always got to have its like, he made some comment about it, which, which put it into like a, a place of like, Oh yeah, this is actually a thing that has some validity in some way. I don't, I don't know if it did or not, but. <laughs> I mean, at the, t- at the time, did you see these um, performance? Um, what do we want to call them? Performance art. Performances as having some kind of connection to poetry in your minds at the time. Can- in my mind it did yeah i don't know about yeah. you george <laughs> yeah they did and I, I also think you know not to, to talk about us too much but um we also did do i mean a lot of just very sort of more straight poetry work and yeah like the meetings um were really focused around published poets and we would we would have copies and we would talk about those and we would put on open mics with featured readers and things so we had a particular interest in 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 the sort of performative side of things, but we also had, um, and I think honored the sort of, um, you know, written word, um, mm-hmm. in, in, in more traditional senses. Of it. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I remember when I was attending the poetry society, I would sometimes bring in a song, right. Or that the, the lyrics spoke to me in a particular way, or they felt very poetic to me. Mm-hmm. I think, I brought in a Leonard Cohen song once or twice. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember there were some people in the group who were like much more uh, traditionalists when it came to poetry. And they're like, those are songs. That's not poetry. We cannot talk about them here. And I'm bringing that up because as we've gone on and done this podcast over three years, many, many people in different artistic arenas have talked to me about how they feel there's a poetry to their art, right? Painters, photographers, um, people who... Um, all sorts of people. Yeah, all, all sorts of Creative artists. Creative people. Connect to poetry and feel like um, what they do is is somehow connected to poetry in some way. I just, it's interesting to me. I feel like for people... Poetry isn't just what we think it is, kind of in a classical I mean, it, sense. It means different things to different people. Yes, stomping jazz. Oh, is that what? Yes. I mean? <laughs> um, so I just I, I find that I find that very interesting. Yeah. That you were kind of exploring that angle, that piece of it. Um, I want to ask you, Tim O and uh, Stomping Jen, um, what are your kind of what are your early memories of these meetings and your your poetry societies you got it off the ground was it was it what you wanted it to be i think so yeah um i'll let tim answer though since he hasn't talked in a while well i, I remember being pretty uptight when i was uh 
in college. So, um, yeah, I tried to be as democratic and open-minded towards things as, as possible, but I certainly had my own limited, uh, view of, of what poetry was, but I don't, I don't know how, how limited it was. I mean, I, I was already interested in, in, you know, a lot of the poetry, you know, like, like James Tate, just like, I thought, you know, he kind of blew my mind open in terms of like what poetry could be. And my, you know, if I, if I were to go along the route of what, you know, my mother says it must have rhyme. It's not a poem if it doesn't rhyme, according to my mother. So I can't read her most of the poetry I've written, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, how conservative were we in our views? Yeah, I don't think we were. We just, you know, we would come together and we would read things that we had written. We'd work on them together. You know, we'd get feedback. I think that was mainly what we were interested in at the beginning was, you know, I wrote this poem. I want to read it. I want a safe space to read it out loud and get some feedback on what other people think. And I think that was a a forum in which people felt safe doing yeah. that. And... um yeah, and we, we built this camaraderie in this community around it, you know, and like because some of what happened ended up happening is initially, especially in that original group, is that we would do things not poetry related, but together. Like, so we would have our meetings, then we'd go down to the blue wall and we'd get like snacks and we'd hang out for quite some time and we'd go on road trips together and we'd go to the movies. So, like, we built like a little community that was based around poetry. Um, you know, and UMass is such like a large, large, large university. And I think somebody once said to me, or I don't know if this is true, but, you know, like you make of it what you, what you want, you know, you create and you find those people and you create your own little community and it makes it feel a lot smaller. Yeah. I mean, that's what I found in it. Right. I mean, I did have some, some modest interest in writing and poetry, but I was mostly looking for you know, a, a community. A tribe. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I found there. Yeah. Right. And yeah. though that, that social aspect of it was so strong for me. Right. I mean, we, I ended, mean. we ended up, we ended up dating Stomping <laughs> I Jen mean, there were people created out of <laughs> getting married and <laughs> having, having children. Um, Ted, I wanted to ask you, do you have recollections of what it was like when you started attending and was it what you had wanted it to be the poetry society? Um, you know, do you have, do you have yeah. ob- observations you want to share about your time there? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I had <clears throat> uh, quite these sort of uh, avant-garde, high-minded notions of um, Ben and George at all. At the time, I think I probably skewed more uh, towards towards you, Sawtooth, in so much as I really valued it for its community. And there certainly was a poetry aspect that I really enjoyed to it as well, but you know, I think in the end, I didn't actually really have serious aspirations as a poet. It was just kind of more of a place to find community and to meet people um, around sort of a shared interest, but then kind of grow and extend beyond that. So I think in that sense, it really sort of was what I was hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Josh, I mean... Uh, I think of the of the the group of us um, in terms of writers, you've certainly you've gone the furthest, right? And are are, are the most developed and have experienced a lot of um, success in terms of publishing and just kind of dedicating yourself to this craft, right? We've talked about this. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how much 
the Poetry Society um, and what happened there and your experiences there kind of helped um, clear the path for you to to, to start down? Um, yeah, I, I think it did uh, tremendously. Um, and even though I, I went there because I wanted to learn more about poetry, like you and like Ted, um, I wanted uh, a sense of community. Um, again, like you, I was, <laughs> to be honest, when I joined, I was in a really, really bad spot. Uh, things were not good for me at all. Um, and, you know, I went there too, because I was extremely lonely. Um, I didn't really fit in, uh, with wherever I was at that time. Um, so I went there again, uh, for community like you guys. Um, and I don't know I don't I, I, I don't know what at what point it went from just having curiosity to being very serious about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really don't I don't I don't know where when that shift was. I mean, the thing was, was I've always wanted to be a writer since since the age of six. I know I've always wanted to be a writer of some kind, yeah. you know, um, so it, it, it was always there. Um, and then, you know, it was after the Poetry Society, you know, the Poetry Society was done and gone. Um, so then I joined other workshops. And then through those other workshops, then I met my mentor, you know, Ellen Doray Watson. And then that's where, you know, it really, really got serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it was never serious for me. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it was why, not serious. Why wasn't it serious for so, you? So I think for me, uh, you know, in high school, I, lo- I wrote a lot, a lot of poetry uh-huh. as an angsty teen. And then I think you and I met. And then that was the end. <laughs> that was the end of <laughs> writing you, poetry. What do you mean by that? Because I didn't feel so, maybe I didn't feel as angsty. Do you mean we, we spent I our think, time making poetry, Stomping Jim? Oh, stop it. Um, no, I just, I think yes. like that, whatever drive, the, the the need that I felt to write about yeah. things, and it just sort of dried up, and that was the end of it. But I like, I look. So this, this is really a testament to me. I mean, you're saying I satisfied <laughs> you, you creative, me. I creatively, emotionally, well, I didn't physically, say that. You, had, you said you had no needs after you got to involved with me. write poetry, but then you're... But how many years yes. later I discovered that I enjoy doing collage oh, art, right. right? Which was like a completely different type of poetry. So like what I yes. what I then enjoy doing was taking visual art that I could not draw myself or yeah. put together myself and steal it and then put words on top of that. So yeah. it's it's sort of it it like uh transformed, I think, over the years into yeah. some other interesting thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ben and George, I'm really interested in hearing once you sort of got um, your legs under you and you were running the group, did you change anything from how it had been working? Did you get in there as leaders of the 
the Poetry Society Poetry Club and say, oh, we're going to change this or that. I'm curious if you made any shifts that you can remember and how, how the group ran. I know I we're remember being given too much um, yeah. guidance and, or, or being restrictions <laughs> on the way it had to be run. Um, we did, uh, we did start doing these types of sort of performances under the guise of the poetry society. Um, I remember like we, we would get all these like cheap and free books of poetry and copy poems. And we would just sit out on the, you know, at the, by the pond there and, like give poems and books away and we would like hold doors and say like sponsored by the poetry society. Um, we did publish two, two journals. Oh, one at least one, at least one. I don't know if there's two. So yeah, I don't, I don't recall there being a whole lot of precedent. Um, not to say that the, the work before wasn't really great or important, but I, I don't remember there being like a manual being given to us and us like yeah. either saying we're going to do this or like, tearing it up and saying we're gonna do it our own way I, I think we just kind of went with our gut but ben i don't, I don't know if you have a uh no i don't think there was any framework there was, I, I don't recall there being a an established publication or was mm -hmm. there was there was there no, something i no? don't think we ever pulled one together no there was just that charter right which <laughs> we mentioned at the at the top of the oh, at the, at the top of the charter? episode yeah, yeah that still exists in some form yeah. i found it uh, earlier in the week which we probably yeah yeah no we never did a journal i don't know why i tim, thought we had oh maybe i'm wrong talk a little bit more about that tim what's your memory of well, that i remember trying to put it together and i remember taking submissions i remember reading submissions hmm. Hmm. i just can't remember what we were going to call it because I remember the discussions we had about, oh, what are we going to name it? And hmm. uh, yeah. Um, Ted, Josh. Anyway. I, I, I do agree with Tim. I, I think we got as far as debating <laughs> what the name was and reading submissions and then um, never going further with it. Yeah. Hmm. I also recall, I recall reading submissions with you, Tim, but I don't really know if it came to fruition that I don't have that memory of. Yeah, that makes sense. That would be, that would, that would explain why I don't remember the name. That and whiskey. Yeah, I, I, th I think, I think one of the reasons why it never actually came about was because we could never settle on a name. <laughs> that seems ridiculous in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> The, the one we published was called I Have a Dog. I love it. Uh, it's perfect. And, uh, I, I have a dog. And we spent a lot of time fighting over that. I remember like the, the person, I think I think Mike Braidman, who 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 ran ran it after we did, as I as I recall. I don't know if that's true. Um, wanted to call it like Edgar Allan poetry. That always stayed with me as like one of the worst possible things oh, to do, but also somehow interesting too. But yeah, we, we spent a lot of time going over like, what do we call this thing? That's funny. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, those silly poets getting hung yeah. up on words of all things. Yeah. So I want to step into the virtual um, open mic, open mic um, you, coffee shop space. Wait, so another yeah. memory is you loved well, hosting those open mics. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I don't know, somebody here said this earlier, you know, it was a... It was an opportunity. Maybe it was uh, Ben. It was a 
for me, it was a space, the poetry club was a space where I really began to discover how much I loved performing, like how much I loved getting up in front of a crowd and mm-hmm. talking and the adrenaline rush of that. And um, it goes to something even Josh was saying before, kind of about jazz. I love jazz. And I typically enter a performative space with no fucking plan of what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And I just kind of go and it could crash or burn. Um, It could be okay. It could be really great, you know, but that's where I discovered my, my love for, you know, microphone being, yeah. For the microphone being in front of people and just, just letting it go and seeing what happens. Yeah. You know, I loved all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely enjoyed that. Yeah. So we're going to have a virtual open mic? Yes. Stomping and you're going to be the host? I am going to be the host. Um, and <laughs> thank you, Stomping <laughs> Jen. Um, I asked you all to find a poem from that era and to be prepared to read one. Um, and I don't know if you were able to. If you didn't, that's okay. We're not going to We're not gonna punish you. Um, but hopefully some of you are able to dig one out. Um, I know I have one. Um now, Tim O or Josh, did were you able to find one? Oh yes, <laughs> I have my um, my graduate thesis. Hypnos- oh, I remember I, uh, Hypnos. I know. I remember the I remember the title of this. Yeah. So Tim O is holding up some kind of bound um, bound thing. It's not quite a book. Um, yeah, it's it um, a, a thesis of some kind, and it says hypnopomp on the front of it. Um, and Which he's is got, a word I invented, yep. sort of. And one of those pages looks like it has a pink flag on it, and he's going to, I think he's going to read yeah, something. I, I came somewhat prepared. Somewhat okay, prepared. thank you. But um, I, I would like Josh to, well, we, we'll save Josh. Yeah. Josh's poems are better than mine. So, um, well, yeah. maybe not from that era. He's, he's done a lot of work in the last, um, in the last 25 years. 25 years. All right. Whenever you're ready, Timo. All right. All right. Um, I, I, I liked this poem a lot because um, when I was in college, um, I, like I said, I was pretty uptight, but I didn't want to be. I was I was always a shy person, and I um I never wanted to be. So I, I tried to break out of my shell, and um, I think the Poetry Society was that was, that was a big part of helping me do that. And I remember, you know, just sometimes I would just you know sit in the middle of the walkway and write something when I had inspiration. I just sit down and write. I didn't care what other people thought of me. This crazy guy sitting in the middle of the pathway writing, but, um, I just decided I don't care what other people are going to think. And so this was kind of part of that, that need to break free. I call this poem, how to handle silent persons. Okay. Place your hands on a quest. First check for responsiveness. Are you dead yet? Maybe show confidence, security, Be calm and pleasant. Check for breathing. The breast may rise. The pulse may lie. Resuscitate everything as needed. Check next for bleeding chest or head wounds. Your patient will not be ticklish. Beware of doggedly escaping brain and spinal fluids, but apply no tourniquet. Play strip poker. Win. 
suddenly lean them against something sturdy, like a song. Have them hold it, if possible. Cock their chin back with your left. Man the stethoscope with your right. This process will be more difficult for left-handed conversationalists. Kiss the nipple for effect. Discover the ribs and remove. Remove all flammable substances. Smile. By now you have made their acquaintance something special. Insert hands and palm through rib cage. So softly cackle. Grab their flaccid heart with glee. Sigh, then squeeze. I think I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, you know, first of all, thank you for reading that, yeah. um, Tim. And, you know, one of the things I remember the most about your poetry is the, the playfulness, right? Um, the wordplay, um, you know, and just, you know, I was, I had to hold myself back from laughing out loud several times as I, as I listened to you read that, because the the the, wor- the words are funny <laughs> like so anyways i just that that's what i remember about your your poems is they had this like this this playfulness and sometimes you would um you would do funny things with the construction of the words too um I think t- Tim and I yeah. both uh, very much liked E. e. Cummings, as I recall. Yes, E. e. Cummings. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. we were both fascinated with him. Yeah, I remember you had the the complete work in your room. I still have. I it. was impressed by that. That that impressed me. I was like, <laughs> she's she's all right by my book. Anyone who likes E. e. Cummings has good taste, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Do you? I'm sorry. Do you remember the kiosk poem you had? I, I got remember it right here. I remember. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Read it. It's longish. Let's see, where is it? Ah, the pages of kiosks is dearth. Very much inspired by um, the Amherst kiosking uh, uh, scourge, I'll call it. So uh, we need a preface here. This was a commissioned poem. Um, this poem was, um, what was that guy's name? Ted, I think, was a local activist. Sorry. <laughs> the the I have to write that name down. That's there was okay. a local activist. Yeah, there was a local activist, and um, he um, I don't know how I, I got involved with that with that guy, but he basically asked me to you know because Amherst had wanted to put up these kiosks, and because you couldn't put flyers on posts on telephone poles or any logical place where people would normally see a poster, and uh, there were they passed these laws so. They said, oh, you can only put posters up on on the kiosks. And these kiosks were in the stupidest places where nobody's ever going to look at them. And it's just a big waste of of money and time. And it's just, anyway. So um, the Amherst Select Board... Uh, uh, took, we, 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 I took, I took aim at them. I took aim at them. And, um, actually this, 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 this poem was in the collegiate, I think parts of it, just little snippets for obvious reasons, which you are about to hear. Um, shall I begin? Please go ahead. All right. It begins. It's got a little, it's own little preface here. Um, italicized. Um, but basically you'll notice the, uh, the inspiration is, um, is King James. So here we are. The pages of kiosks is dearth. We, the teeming five nabobs of the Amherst Select Board, speak thus, saying, 
We are the pedants who brought you out of sanity, out from the bondage of multiplicity. Heed us steadfastly, ye obsequious ones, for the town is a temple and those who worship its magistrates must bow to them in homage and in pity. Wherefore, forsooth, must we an holy banning place on every licentious poster placed in any place of places in Emma's placed save the sacred kiosk? Thou shalt have no other posters before us. Thou shalt not make unto thee any creative image inappropriate to the lofty rafter-boarded dignity of the kiosk, nor shalt thou make its placing any place in heaven above nor in the earth beneath, nor in the firmament surrounding, nor the waters around, nor in the places where people might see them and lust to peruse and read them, nor where people normally stand for long periods of time, and where it would be convenient to read such things. In none of these places shall your posters be placed. Side note, nor should posters be placed on the nabob's backs, only on the kiosk. Thou shalt not attach thy posters, but strictly within the thin kindling wood borders of the kiosk. For thy kiosk is a jealous and secluded kiosk, <laughs> visiting no one anywhere because it stays in only one place constantly. Thou shalt not take the kiosk to a bonfire. Only posters, <laughs> for they are the root of all evil and are biodegradable. Remember the red tape and keep it holy. Some sickly six years or so it took to construct the kiosk. And so it was. But fashioning thine own kiosk, thou shouldst not endeavor at any time whatsoever, for only the select board may approve it. <laughs> Neither shall thy sons nor thy daughters construct one, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy dog, nor even your little gray gerbil with all white paws, except the left-hand one. Honor thy fellow plebeian. Thou shalt not distract yon traveling operators of four-wheeled vehicles, whilst they transit themselves ever so cautiously in their vigilant alertness of wary watchfulness. They really are good drivers. Their anguish roars in the hungry throng of traffic. They weep, for they are distracted. A poster is dangling in the breeze. <laughs> oh, what roguish delinquents in their spurious fury have illicitly fastened some pink fluorescent ads. Have they no modesty? <laughs> no shame? Pastels and Amherst! Thou shalt not fasten colorful papyrus upon the ways. All pastel postmongers shall suffer no end of torment in our bureaucracies of litigation. Doubtlessly, they shall be punished to the most fullest extent by the long superlative idiocy of our arm, where there shall be sweeping and gnashing of teeth. Thou shalt not steal the kiosk. Thou shalt not with thy posters commit creativity, expression, or publicity. Thou shalt not love it, exposure. Thine eyes may not endure it, surely. Lo, the notions of thy neighbor's news. It is the adder's bite. Such did the kiosk say. And when the people saw the sterility of it, they wept amongst themselves. Here stands the husk of us. We've lost our omnibus. So they removed themselves afar by bus from us, like thus. So, <laughs> the best part about all of yes. that is that I'm the chair of the select board. <laughs> <laughs> you have become what you hated. Uh, well, I don't know that I didn't write the poem. Yes. 
<laughs> that was Are there still it. kiosks in Amherst? No, I mean, like, flyers don't exist anymore, Tim. Yeah, no one <laughs> uses America. flyers. I mean, well, yeah, except for, like, now. you know, like, very, you know, a little bit in Northampton here and there, but... Oh, well, thank you oh, for reading boy. that. Um, I have to say, it, your performance of it reminded me a lot of Monty Python. I, I, I did channel a bit of uh, Michael Palin there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for yeah, thanks, thanks for reading that. Um, My pleasure. All right. I want to check in with George and Ben to see if you had anything you wanted to read from that, from your time. Your era. From your era. I think the reason Ben was uh, painting me and we were, you know, smashing boom boxes and stuff is because I was never much of a writer. I was just more interested in in reading poetry and being around it. So mm. um, for everybody's sake. And uh, I don't have a po- I have I don't have a poem to read, and you uh, should be thankful for that. Can we convince Ben to drive to wherever you are now and paint you <laughs> right now? That would be interesting. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have a lot of the notebooks, and I have a lot of those college year like all kinds of things. George and I kept a dream journal. I have that stuff. Like we, I just, we have a ton of, a ton of that stuff, but it's all outside, outside Boston in my mom's basement uh. right now. And I'm, I'm in East Hampton. So I don't have any of that, mm. that, that era, but I mean, I mean, like George is saying, like it was for me, it was so much more about like sort of living, living a, a kind of attitude and, mm-hmm. and experimenting a lot as opposed to, yeah. trying to really build a craft I've, I've gone on to write a lot of fiction and it's sort of much more where my heart has gone um but yeah that those those were formative years nonetheless okay thank you um stomping jen let's inject some estrogen into this conversation <laughs> you want to read you 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 asked me to read this very specific thing this i want to give this poem a preface. Now, I've I've mentioned before, I think I mentioned on this podcast and on this episode and in previous episodes how I didn't notice Stomping Jen right away. Um, She wasn't on my radar at all. Um, I don't know why. I would come to these meetings and I just, is that a horrible thing to say? No. I've said this before. Um, and I think a lot of that is you you kind of like to blend into the background anyways. You didn't do much to to call attention to yourself. No. Right? And then so you re- I did try to light my hair on fire. <laughs> we we've we've heard this before. That is your specific mating ritual is lighting yeah. your hair on fire. Apparently. Um I don't respond to that. Yeah. It's okay. Um but you read this poem. Are and you sure? And you're sure it was this I'm a hundred percent sure. And it, it it got my attention. I said, oh, she's funny. <laughs> like, Our, in a, in a, uh, it, whatever this is, yeah. I, and I, I haven't read this or heard it since the very 26 years ago you read yeah. it in that room. Yeah. So well, I wrote it in high school. Okay. It's just funny because I found it. I got an A minus oh, on it. Does that make me writing. a creep? No. Well, I was 18 when we. <laughs> you wrote it in high school? We met. I graduated high school and I was 17. All is right. Chris Hansen going to come through the door? The lie detector tested. No. That was a lie. No, okay. go ahead. Sorry. All right. All right. You want me to read this? Please, go ahead. All right. So this is called Ode to My Ex-Favorite Jeans. You lie dejected there in the corner. Did I beat you up too much? Stained, splattered with red paint. I loved you too much. But then 
I'm sorry for wearing you out, wearing you on rainy days, dragging you through the mud, and now I only wear you to mow the lawn. I'm sorry. I guess I just got too fat. And this is the poem that... That's the one. ...drew you to me. Not any of the other poems that I ever read. Nope, that one. That one. Does it still hold up? It's funny. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Who amongst us... um, doesn't have a pair of jeans they got too fat for. <laughs> That's your takeaway. I love it. You're funny. That is one of my um, primary existential fears, is putting on a pair of pants and not having them fit me. Oh, my God. I have pants hanging in my closet or up on my shelf that I'm afraid to put on because I'm afraid I'm too fat for them. Your poem speaks to me in a very real way. I love that all these notebooks that I have yeah. are like covered in like... <laughs> Egyptian hieroglyphics. All right. Everyone goes through their high school Egyptian phase. That's fine. But then I tattooed it on my chest. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's hear from, um, if he's still there, his his camera is off. Um, Let's go to Ted. See if Ted was able to dig up a poem. There he is. Uh, I was not able to dig up a poem from this era. Um, but I, I feel like Tim's, uh, two epics cover mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> Epochs. Yes. He, they it's were epic poems. Yes. I'm going to pronounce that word epoch. Oh my God. That's how I like to say Please it. Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to take us to, um, shall we save Joshua Michael Stewart for last? There's nobody else. Oh, you want to go. I have a oh, poem. Oh, he has a poem. Should I read it? Uh, you are dying to read it. <laughs> I'm going to read it. Um, now, this is sort of longish, and it's a revised All version. All your poems are longish. Yeah. I and know. he's been writing a poem. A poem. How long is it? Like oh 27 pages? Yeah, it's like going on four <laughs> years. This is not that poem. But so um, this is very self-serious. It's not fun. It's not funny. So settle in. I see George just lean back a little bit. Um, so snuggle into your chairs. Um, we're going to get through this together, okay? I promise. All right. Um, I'll, share, I'll share the reflection afterwards. I have a story related All to right, this. Just read the fucking poem. Okay. Um, does it need any music? Oh, my God. No. All right. Fine. All right. This is called Basic Training. Summer of 1992. The Missouri sun, a drum, pounded time on our heads. Bald flowers in the blazing heat. Some of us wilted, most stood tall, turning toward the light. In defiance of failure's sickly sweet voice, beads of sweat hung on our necks, salty jewels for kings of conformity. Crowns of Kevlar for each sunburned head, making us all equally worthless to our shouting tormentors. Pigskin coffins for my feet, one size too small. White hot numbness, bees inside my toes. Stinging, aching bones. Trench foot flesh peels, rotting skin, held together by olive green socks. Most of us changed, becoming... Harder, tanned, fierce, loving the battle cry. Blood, blood, blood! (laughs) How did the transformation to killer from boy come so easily? Rifles with names replace the faces 
you can't remember, now only ghosts. Aim center mass for the plastic heart. Headshots are just as good. Nights are lonely, so you fold. Your clothes shine your boots, stopping at the reflection of a stranger. Who is this shoe-polished phantom? Sleep comes quickly, always dreamless. Float into darkness on gunpowder airfoils. Too damn tired for unconscious self-reflection. <laughs> You're so funny. That's it. Now, that is the poem I read, the very first poem I read in public ever. I remember that. I remember that day. The yeah. first time you came to interrupt your, your flow there. Um, it was... It, I, I was very impressed by that poem because I had been to basic training and I did not enjoy it either. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I know exactly how it felt and that I, you, you earned my immediate respect um, for sure when you read that poem and yeah. So, and you breathe, you breathe, you breathed a breath of fresh air into our group, which really, I mean, put some wind in our sails in terms of just like, you know, not just more people, but just like you guys have been saying, the community that that we had, and yeah, so sawtooth. Yeah, thank. This th is my <laughs> deep home snapping for you. Thanks, man. And well. that that's what I was going to share. I remember Tim O coming up to me afterwards yeah. saying that that was that was really good. I was in basic training too. Yeah. Like I get it. Yeah. And then like I was like, oh wow, okay, I might fit in here. Mm -hmm. Like this this could be yeah. a good place. And I came back, but I remember being like incredibly nervous reading it. Like I can still, um, despite just so everybody knows two weeks ago, I claimed that I had no mind's eye that I couldn't <laughs> picture anything in my mind. It's turning out to not be true by the way. <laughs> I do. I do apparently have a mind's eye because I can remember and see myself standing there in that room. Oh. Boy. With my hand shaking and holding the paper and reading it, so you're so ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was it. That was the very first poem I ever read in public. Mm. So um, there it is. Um, let's go to let's go to Joshua Michael Stewart. Joshua, let's see what he's got. What in did store you dig for up us. for us tonight? Uh, well, I. I I unfortunately did not dig up anything old because um, uh. I don't even think I have any of that stuff anymore. I think that long ago went into the burn pile. Um, but I selected two things. I, I I hope it's okay. I can read newer stuff. Absolutely. Can I ask you a quick question, though? Yeah. Um, why did it go into the burn pile? Was that a conscious choice or was it just a consequence of like moving and you were like i'm getting rid of this stuff or did you did you burn all of that stuff up on purpose um i mean i mean to be honest i more likely probably do have a lot of it somewhere um but you know i mean i just know i progressed much much more since then so um um, you know, I don't, I didn't really find any reason to keep them. I did keep them for a long time. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, okay, I don't need this anymore. Okay. 
just because curious. I also have, you know, since then, you know, the last 20 years after that, I've, <laughs> you know, I've have um, um, multiple, you know, notebooks of things. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Hit us up. What do you got? All right. So this is a little prose poem and this is something newer, um, but it, it, it kind of um, would be something that I would probably write back in those days. Um, so this is called, this is where you are and this is how you got here. I'm reading at a cafe table that's too small and too wobbly but where I can keep an eye on whoever slips in and out of the unisex bathroom. So when I need to go, I won't surprise someone who'd be in no mood for surprises. Because even when you knock, knock and wait, the person behind the door doesn't always answer or sometimes with dishes clanking and people shouting over jazz that spatters from speakers, you can't hear the person's nervous reply. And you creak the door, and there they are, elbows on their knees. And it's here, the moment you can never take back. The moment when all other regrets and mistakes flash through your mind. And all you can do is turn away and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Mm. And I have this... This poem, um, this is brand spanking new. So in the, in the spirit of the uh, poetry society, I'm uh, using you guys as guinea pigs. And um, lately I've been um, um, working on a series of poems that are um, odes, eulogies, um, you know, other homages, tributes of, of that nature. And mm -hmm. this one is actually called Eulogy for Gary. Gary never liked to do anything easy, like cook eggs and bacon, or fold bath towels while watching TV. No, Gary would much rather memorize the periodic table of elements or repair his destroyed reputation after he was caught dancing naked with a headless mannequin in his office. He was an accountant and loathed every plus and minus of his job. He wasn't the type for displays of affection. He had a hard time looking people in the eye. He'd jot down on scrap paper, look at people when talking to them and glance at it when he attended social functions. He wasn't like that in high school. He played varsity football and girls were crazy over him. But something changed when he twisted his knee and lost his scholarship to Bowling Green. He worked the line at a Ford plant for a few years and then earned his degree from a college you never heard of before. He married Lisa, who we all know ran off with her chiropractor. It's a good thing they never had kids. Gary was a good friend, a hell of a man. He never put on airs or judged anyone. He let me keep my chickens in his basement after we had that flood two springs ago and I had to rebuild my coop. 
You could tell he was lonely, though he never fessed up to it. It wasn't so much in his eyes, but how his mouth rested in his jaw. Not a tightness, not in anger or brooding, but more of a resolve, a surrender. Loneliness will turn you desperate, and desperation will tempt you to do strange things, things out of character. I still don't see why they had to print his name in the newspaper. And once I saw that security video his co-worker uploaded to the internet, I knew it was all over. But that's no excuse for what Gary did. He didn't have to shoot all those people. That took a turn. I don't want to give that the celebratory noise. <laughs> you don't have to. No. Oh, man. I love hearing you read. Thank you. Somehow you don't sound like a douche when you read. <laughs> Is it just me? Oh, boy. You know how people get that thing? Oh I think I had it. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, are you talking about the, the what they call the poetry voice? Yeah. Tim O didn't have it. But I, and you definitely don't have it. But I think I had it when I read yeah, my poem. I, I, I used to have it until, yeah. until people who knew better than I did told me to quit it. <laughs> How did you, how did you quit it? Like, did you, what did you do differently? Um, you know, I, the, the simplest way is they said, um, you know, you should read as you, as you speak. Okay. So, you know, you, you read just in this voice. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, um, um, will, will, you know, they, they put on this, um, you know, the, this false voice, you know, like they call poetry voice or the worst is, you know, slam poets mm-hmm. where, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I, I, I don't particularly am, have anything against slam poetry, but it seems like every single slam poet has the same cadence and same rhythm in every single poem. Um, so. But you're a musician, uh, too, so. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's different. No, yeah, that's, I'm just talking about rhythm and cadence. Yeah, well, thanks for debuting that. Is that the debut of that piece here? That's good. Uh, Debut-ish, yes. Thank you for sharing that. That was fantastic. Um, Okay. Um, Some of us have, some of us have grown in leaps and bounds. That's obvious. Yeah. so I wanted to ask you all, um, who continued to who has continued to write poetry besides Josh? Besides Joshua Michael Stewart, we all know you write poetry. You you're published. We we know, but I want to hear from these other folks. Um, Negatory. Yeah. Anyone here? After you left the poetry society, did you continue to write poetry um, for a time? Are you still writing poetry, Timo? Well, um, yeah, of course, I kept writing for a while, but you know, we had a um, a um, our own. After we we graduated, we tried to continue. I don't know if you guys remember this. We tried to continue a digital email correspondence version of the Poetry Society, which um, I called Ben Travato. Does that ring a bell? No. You don't remember Ben Travato? No. 
do you? No, <laughs> I don't remember right. it. That's probably it's probably good because um, I, um, it ended it ended in in a in a in a in a catastrophe of sorts, social catastrophe of sorts. But um, but like email yeah. email wasn't it was like a baby a good medium. It when it was like a baby thing at that point in time. Like true, it was like very in, in its infancy. Hmm. Email. Social yeah. media didn't exist. No. All right. So you continued. Sorry, all right. So ben Travato, I don't remember that. All right. So Timo continued. Okay. An email poetry society in some form. Did you continue yep. to write? And are you I writing did. now? I scribble now and then, but I um I generally write something down, and if I don't get it to some sort of fruition in the first sitting. I usually don't come back to it. So I have to have the um, the fortitude to get through it the first time, at least to be impressed with myself, to want to come back to it and edit it. Otherwise, it just sits there on my computer file or in my notebook and uh, it, it withers away and I get distracted by other things. So, but okay. I, I, I have created some pieces since um, since since the day um, I'd have to dig them up, but I've already read two. So, do you think they will that. be shared in some way? It could be. Okay, and we'll look forward to that. Um, I want to ask George: Are you are you still writing poetry? Um, are you doing some kind of um, poetry like performance art these days? Has that continued for you, or have you moved on? No, I frankly never really really was um, much of a writer. I really was just more interested in reading it and I still read actively. Actually, I just got my last issue of Jubilat, which is a UMass uh, produced journal. Um, they just ceased publishing that, this final one, but still very actively reading. And, and I do a lot of, you know, creative work outside of um, mm -hmm. writing, but um, no, I was never really much a writer, more, more interested in reading and processing and, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to just see beyond my uh, end of my nose. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ted, what about you? Oh, well, I think maybe just because Natalie's not here, I might win the award for being the furthest afield <laughs> from doing anything creative. <laughs> uh, which is to say, no, uh, I do not write poetry, um, nor do I do uh, anything particularly artistic and creative. I've gone on to uh, become an engineer, so I'm fitting with the stereotype. There's some creativity in that, obviously. <laughs> it, it takes a different form, but... Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I appreciate that, but uh, <clears throat> I, I think uh, definitely outside of... Uh, the kind of creativity we all are thinking about right sure, now. Sure. I'll accept that. Okay. Well, maybe the spark will hit you at some point and you'll, you'll get back to it. Um, let's ask Ben. I want to, I want to know what Ben is up to. Um, poetry wise, poetry never really took root in any kind of formal craft sense of the word. Um, I never really stopped performing um, all this time. I've had a pretty steady run of, continuing on in the kind of avant-garde style performance art monologue storytelling um uh and that has been 
a phenomenal way to <laughs> express myself um, for my own sort of sanity and well-being. It's been like a constant, which is pretty, pretty. I'm very grateful for that. And all that stuff began at UMass. Um, poetry never took root, but fiction really did. Um, I went to grad school in Naropa in Colorado um, for a couple of years, early 2000s, um, and then started writing like you know, basically writing novels. And I wrote, I published a novel in 2017 and over the, over this last year, basically like COVID, uh, you know, COVID hell sort of needing to survive this started writing, um, on, on like a long kind of history of Maine kind of, uh, it's a long story, but it's, I wrote a book this year and I have, I'm halfway through another one. Um, and I actually have a third one that I'm going to just keep plowing through. So there's a lot of writing happening, but it's, yeah, it's just become something entirely mm-hmm. other, other. <laughs> that That's fantastic. And what is, what's your novel? What's the name of your novel? It's called the autograph of Steve industry. Um, and it's based on a, on a project that George is intimately familiar with. Um, it's this band that he and I and our friend Aaron started at UMass rough, more or less, um, uh, just an improvisational kind of rock band where we would, it was a concept band where we would perform as, as a uh, bar band outside Boston, like kind of performing our Boston roots. Um, and, you know, it was mostly improvised and then we started playing live and, you know, we had recorded some stuff so we could like replay some of that, those songs. And this whole world of this character emerged from that. And for a long time, I was like, I got to do something with this character, like beyond the, beyond the, um, the music itself. So it turned into this completely insane book. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it was published by a small press called magic helicopter. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's probably out there somewhere, but you can try to search for it. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, go yeah. find it. Um, people. Yeah. All right. Cool. I actually own it. <laughs> you I do. trying oh, to find really? it, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> it's in my, it's somewhere. And you probably can't even see it, but I got this huge pile and it's, I know it's in there somewhere. All right. Stomping Jen, are you, are you writing poetry? We already covered that. Oh, you're doing collage art, right? Not even doing that much these days, but yeah. Now I'm happy to report. I wrote two collections of poetry. um, After. No, they're done. I've self-published them. (laughs) Where can they're you find complete them? works. You can't find them anywhere. Right. They're, they're on your computer file. Yeah, they're on my computer. But yeah. two complete works. And I've got this other poem you mentioned. Yeah, that the is poem. Like 20 pages long. And he talks about occasionally. Yeah. It has crows in it, in case you're interested. And someday it will be someday I will publish. I will read it on the podcast. It'll be its own podcast. Yes. It and will. I will not be in the house. Oh <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I need you to sit here through the entire reading. All right. Well, I'm going to say that the, the UMass Poetry Society was a success. The founding of it and its continuance, right? That, that handoff from Tim O and Stomping Jen to George and Ben. Uh-huh. That what whole, happened after you guys That left? whole pile of stuff was a success in my estimation because we've got... Well, let me left? finish. Oh, my God. Um, because... People continued to be creative. Some people went on to have other fulfilling ventures, like being engineers. Um, but we got a real published poet out of this whole thing. 
Joshua Michael Stewart, <laughs> right? And a published author. I think it was ben. more about that we all built a community and here we are and we're having a nice no. discussion. Mater- success no. is the only... No. Oh my God. Okay, you're right. Yeah, thank all you. Right. Um, so... But what happened after? What happened after? What's the... What's the, the, the... Oh, we... I just want to know, like, whatever people are comfortable sharing, where has life taken you after? um, The group did, the the society did continue on, I think, in a similar way. Ben mentioned Mike, and I can't remember the woman's name, but the two of them uh, did carry it on after we we had left because Ben graduated and I I moved to Mexico for for a year. So we were just gone. Um, But the society did continue on beyond beyond us and I'm not, I'm not sure what happened after that cool. yeah and yeah just express you know gratitude uh, deep gratitude to tim and you all for creating that it was um it was definitely really grounding to have an organization like that and to to get to meet people and feel like you know somewhat legitimized in in our interests and and uh yeah i really appreciate you all doing that that sort of foundational work and hope that uh i hope we did with you proud <laughs> <laughs> i think you did based on what i'm based on what I'm hearing here. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I want to know, um, whatever people are comfortable sharing, what did you go on to do after after being an, an undergraduate at UMass? What, what did you go on to do with you? Whatever you want to share, I'll, I'll go. Oh, you'll go? Do you want me to go? Sure. I, um, I started a career as a medical writer for a time. Mm-hmm. Then I went after that uh, to work in the field of instructional technology, at a large university. Mm-hmm. So I went and work at a university now. And um, I'm also heavily involved in union work. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which um, poetry and songs are a big part of union work and the culture of unions. But as soon as somebody breaks out a guitar in a union setting and starts singing, I head out the door. I cannot stand that. Mm-hmm. I just get the douche chills and I run. <laughs> the douche chills. Now, Stomping Jen, what have what? you what have you done? Oh my God, I don't know. What have Tell I done? Tell us. Uh, where did life take you? Where did life take me? That's a really great question. I have no idea. Uh, let's see. I worked in retail for almost five years and uh, decided I uh, needed to go back to school. So I, we came back to this area and I got my MBA. And right. uh, after that, I had two like jobs in my life. Um, but in the middle of that, we had children. And uh, so then I struck out on my own. So basically I help small businesses in and around the Pioneer Valley. And I'm also on the select board. <laughs> I also started a the Quabbin Arts Association here in our town. Yeah, I was involved in the cultural council here in town and then I got on the select board. So I do a lot of volunteerism. You're a busy body. I do a lot of organizing. <laughs> Of people. <laughs> I think the official title is busybody. Busybody. I do. This is what I do. People are always like, how do you know so much about everything? I'm like, yeah. social media is like my job. I like basically go on and I find all the cool shit that's happening all over the place. And um, you put it together. I put it all together. Like a collage. Like a collage. Look at you being all insightful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Timo, tell us, tell us, wh- where did... Where did life take you after the Poetry Society? I got a job uh, immediately out of college working at a private school for dyslexics. So uh, I basically became a language training tutor. And from there, I, that job was in ups, like 
backwater New York, more cows than people in that town. So loneliness set in and I decided to move to Vermont where there are even more cows per capita. And um, I lived in my father's hunting cabin for a while and I worked at a bookstore, Barnes and Noble. Was it Barnes and Noble? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, it was Borders. Borders. Borders, I worked at Borders. And um, I went insane and decided that I, Ted Ted was my confidant at that stage. I remember talking to Ted and I said, Ted, what should I do with my life? And uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. And he's just like, well, you should just do something different. And I was like, well, I could go to South Korea, teach English. And that's what I did. Can he's I, like, yeah, you should do that. And, and I did. <laughs> can I share a memory um, from that phase of your life when you're going crazy? Um, I remember you invited Stomping Jen and I to your cabin in in up New York in or Vermont. Vermont. It was Vermont. And we did came, you ever make it up? We did yeah, make we did. it. We, we came to visit there. you. And I remember stumbling across a list that you had on a table. <laughs> oh, no. And this list was a step-by-step list of instructions on what you needed to do throughout the day. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, terrible. he's losing his mind here because it, it was stuff like, wake up, brush my teeth, eat. Are you sure it was like a poem? But no strawberry jelly, only honey on the English muffin. <laughs> like these really, no way, man, this is selling me at all. Yeah. This, this really detailed list of how you were to conduct your entire day. And I was like, we got to get out of here, Stomping Jen. We're going to end up eaten alive or something. He's going to kill covered us and in, eat us. Covered in honey. Yeah. Or strawberry mm. jelly. So we took off. We got the hell out oh, of there. I do remember going to visit you up, up in Vermont. All right. Well, um, that sounds like a great journey. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but no, now you're in Taiwan. Now you're in, you live overseas, right? Yeah. Teaching. I live in Taiwan. I have, yeah. I was in Korea for about 14 months and then I went back to the States for a stint and then then I, I got my ass out of there and I came to Taiwan and I've been here ever since teaching yeah. English as a second language. Nice. Doing some editing work. Um, I've, I've done some, some materials for writing, um, you know, basically English, you know, teaching materials, this and that test creation, curriculum development, yada, yada. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, ben, you shared some of what you're up to. Anything else you want to tell us? Um, uh, I spent a lot of time in education fields, uh, substitute teaching, um, you know, after school programs, summer camp stuff, mm-hmm. um, found my way into adjuncting at Holyoke community college, did that for six years and then got hired full time to teach English at HTC. So I've been doing that. Uh, that's what I've been doing <laughs> largely oh, cool. for like 12 years, I guess now it's just a crazy amount of time. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I had a, I had a kid in, in 2013 and that's a big deal. And, and that has led me into like a discovery of public education as like a, a massive zone of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. And also it's, it seems like it's in, it's in a lot of trouble and I've found myself as a kind of activist now in like public education in East Hampton and, I'm running for school committee, which nice. is something I never, never would have envisioned myself doing. Like if you asked me that 20 years ago, I'd like give you the finger and yeah. storm away. But that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm like that's suddenly awesome. I'm in this in this new world. Um and it's cool. It's like I, I feel like uh, you know, I'm like in my 40s and it's like, oh yeah, you can still do shit. You yeah. can still change, you can still experience problematic newness 
and that's uh that's a good thing i still feel like i'm like alive you know which is yeah you know I'll yeah. Do, I'll, i'm into that kudos <laughs> to you for getting involved because a lot of people like to complain and not get involved so really thank you that's great yeah when, when trump got elected i felt like oh shit i'm either gonna like die of like terror or i'm gonna have to do something like i'm actually gonna have to do something mm-hmm. but the only thing i could think to do was like like outside in the neighborhoods like it didn't seem like i could affect change in any other way so it was like okay let's yeah. go down the street to the local elementary school where my kid is and like try to help yeah and it's just gone from there so it's cool. pretty cool it's, it's been a fun adventure very cool, cool. thanks ben ted yes. ted where did your journey take you what do you want to share with us uh well for i feel like i have two memories i wanted to share <clears throat> The first was just an add-on to uh, the story of Tim's cabin, which is, I think I went up there at least once, possibly twice in the dead of winter, where we sort of spent a couple of days just holed up in the winter in Vermont in Tim's dad's cabin, getting drunk, which really reminded me of uh, the Hemingway story, The Three Day Blow, which is about two young guys who get drunk in one of their dad's cabins, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking at the time, I was like, whoa, this is very strange, but <clears throat> I am very glad, Tim, you also got out of the cabin and uh, over to Southeast Asia. Um, <clears throat> the other one was a piece of advice from you, Sawtooth, which I blatantly did not follow. Uh-oh. That I have uh, a very sort of strong recollection for, I guess maybe because I went against it. But, but first, you know, I remember you were sort of older and I, you know, it's one of those things when you're, in your early twenties or, you know, just starting college, anybody who's like older than 20 basically seems old. Oh yeah. I don't recall how old you were at the time, but I know you had, you know, you had been in the military. So you were sort of a, I guess what we'd call a non-traditional student. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I was like, well, I should listen to what he has to say. Cause he's definitely wiser than I am. No. And I was thinking of the time of changing my major from into biology and you had also been a biology major, if I recall correctly. Microbiology, uh, yes, close. Micro, yes. Yep. And you said to me, I remember this, said, don't do it. You said, this is a terrible idea. You shouldn't <laughs> yeah. do that. <laughs> oh, no. Career prospects, terrible. What are you going to do? You're going to graduate? What are you going to do with that degree? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, okay, I think it's good advice, but, you know, what, did, what, what, did, what, the, what the fuck did I know? It, you know, 20 or 19, whenever this conversation took place. So I was like, I'm going to go do this anyway. Um, So I bounced around for a while, kind of lived all over the place uh, doing ecology and evolutionary biology field work and eventually decided, you know, you were right. like, there's really nothing here for just undergrad degree. So I went and got my PhD uh, and went on to a postdoc for a while studying spiders in Brazil. Um, and my postdoc was in theoretical evolutionary biology, building computer models. And then I went on to work for the National Science Foundation in Boulder. And that was in 2014. And uh, I was sort of clear to me that like academia was not going to work out the way I'd hoped it would. Mm-hmm. And I got recruited to go come out to uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, and so now that was seven years ago. So now I lead a team of machine learning engineers at Apple and I live in San Francisco by the ocean. That's awesome. So, so you, you evolved. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. I evolved. <laughs> yeah, and my advice was terrible advice because doing all of that led you to where you are. That's true. That, that is true. It was a very circuitous path. Yeah. Um, non-traditional. I work with a lot of like people who, you know, went to Stanford and got their degree in computer science or got an MBA from Harvard. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I'm sort of stand out for being somewhat different, <laughs> but you know, it's all worked out in the end. Yeah. Very That's cool. awesome. Very cool. Yeah. And I, and I enjoy following your journey on social media. I really do. Like yeah. I, it, I'm so pleased to be able to, to see where, where, where you've, where you've been, where you're going and I look yeah. forward to seeing what else you do. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, uh, George, tell us what you did. Where'd you, uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing, where, where did, where did life take you after the poetry society? Yeah, all over lots of different things. Um, continue to do a lot of organizing and, uh, performances and, and art related, sort of cultural related things. And, um, my, Current job is I'm the general manager and programmer at Emmer Cinema, so that's like independent films, and I do a lot of uh, kind of the same stuff, you know, like moderating Q and A's and and talking about ideas, which is very much in line with what the Poetry Society helped shape. And uh, I also started a small business, which is like a vintage arcade and uh, a restaurant and bar, and um, and yeah, I've DJed a lot and uh, just yeah, I, I really sort of just stay. Um, as much as I can connect it to sort of cultural events. And, and that's really, I think the thing I'm most interested in is, and, and it's um, proven to not be um, a great career path over the last 18 months, which is, I really enjoy being around people and uh, connecting people and uh, being in groups of people, um, all things which are now um, public health hazards and we cannot do. Yeah. for the foreseeable future. So, uh, so, you know, seeing what else I can, can manage to do. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been, uh, that's been my, my, my basic path. And, and yeah, Ben and I have, um, haven't performed together, uh, recently, but I wouldn't rule it out. We did, we did make a promise to each other to play once a year, uh, which we probably broke. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't rule out that we'll, we'll get back together. And then the group he mentioned that, um, was sort of the genesis of his really wonderful. He's, he's down playing it, uh, but his really wonderful first novel. Um, that group also, uh, we do have an engagement for a wedding that is sort of continuously postponed. So certainly we'll perform once more. <laughs> well, not certainly. I mean, who knows, but, but anyways, yeah, you know, being, being around people and being around artwork in, in whatever shape it takes has definitely been sort of the, the, um, my main interest. And I think, will continue to be all right cool and let's let's hope this pandemic, pandemic gets and its shit together and yeah, we are able to get all back together again because if i have to miss another concert oh god no i'm gonna lose it yeah that's all i'm saying yeah i have tickets almost front row seat tickets for roger waters next summer and god damn it if mm-hmm. i miss that concert okay then all righty well, I don't mean anything. No, I mean I'm. All right, Josh. Uh, anything, anything else you want to say? That. We know that you've invested a lot of time in what your did poetry. You, what did you do, Josh? What did where did what did you do after this? Um, 
college and um, this poetry society we've been talking about here? Well, uh, yes, again, um, poetry is my thing. Um, and that's where I put most of my energy. I, I, I knew, you know, I knew poetry is what I wanted to dedicate my life to. And I also knew there was no money in it. <laughs> um, so whatever job that I would have would always be secondary to my poetry and, um, and would be something that could support my time and effort into the craft. Um, but for the last 22 years, I've actually been a counselor for the disabled. Um, and I work in uh, Norwood, actually, which is about an hour and a half away. Yeah, you've been doing that a long time. Yeah, 22 years. Yeah. So, and I was, yeah. I, I was, I just spent uh, six hours in the ER uh, today with one of my clients because his, uh, his, um, his diabetes um, went all haywire. They put him on a new medication and it, it, it um, put his, 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 his levels like over uh, 300. Hey. So, um, no so good. that's what I did for the most part of today. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's good, important work. Yeah, and thank sure. you for doing it. Um, for sure. So stomping Jen. Yeah. As one of the founders yeah. of the UMass Amherst Poetry Society, yeah. do you feel we have, we've, Discuss this enough. Yeah. Is there more you want to say? No, I think uh, we did what we set out to do. It's been very pleasant to connect yes. with all of your faces. I'm very yes. excited to see you all. Yeah, I want to say um, thank you um, to you all for coming on here and talking to us about this experience um, that is meaningful in the life of Stomping Jen and I. For I sure. mean, we we frequently talk about it, um, and like like she said, we've. Um, as a consequence of this meeting and this reading of poems, there are two life forms <laughs> cruising around this planet now, 14 years old and 11 years old. So, yep. um, and doing their own thing. So mm -hmm. here we are, mm -hmm. right? That's right. So um, thank you sincerely uh, from the bottom of our hearts um, for coming on here and sharing and talking with us. We really enjoyed it, right? Yeah. All right. To our um, listeners, I have one thing to say. Thank Go you. Go write some poetry. No! You'll never know where it takes you. They might read it in Go a terrible... Go do something exciting. They might read it in a terrible voice. We don't want to oh encourage that. Oh my gosh. No. Um, thank you. We love you. Um, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're not already, please subscribe, download, leave us a review. You know the whole thing, right? All the things. Connect with us on social media. What else? I don't know. All right. You we don't love know. You. I don't know. We love you, right? We love so, you. um, what are we gonna say? We're we gonna say bye. Yeah. Do we? Are we doing like a group? Podcast? Yeah. Let everybody unmute. Say goodbye, and then um, we'll you and it. I will say goodbye. All right. Does that work? All right. Then we'll play our outro music. All right. Sounds okay? like a good time. All right, everybody. Hey, just drop a goodbye. However you want to do it. <laughs> bye now. Bye. Bye. Now. Poetry. Bye. Poetry. <laughs> It's still uh, very important, even if you're not an, an undergrad That's right. idiot like we were. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Happy well. All right, folks. Goodbye, um, everybody. Goodbye. Uh, bye now. Bye.
this world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.